0: welcome to the young gunners podcast from the texas young lawyers association where we cut through the noise and discuss practical tips and challenges facing new attorneys in texas and the united states in this episode i am your host Megan Harding, and I am a regional TYLA director in the Austin area. I'm podcasting from Austin, Texas. I will be talking to Ifoma Ibekwe, who is the owner of the Ibekwe Law Firm, and she is going to be talking to us about making it on your own. Welcome to the podcast, Ifoma.
1: Thank you. Thanks
0: for being with us today.
1: Thanks. So Happy to be here.
0: I just want to start with you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your legal career up until when you started your own practice.
1: Okay. So um, as Megan says, my name is Ifoma Ibeque. I go by iffy quite commonly. Um, I have been practicing law now, I think for 13 years. And I started off Right after I graduated from the University of Texas, and I worked for the Texas State Teachers Association, and I was a staff attorney there for about one year. And then I continued my career at the Texas Association of School Boards, where I was a staff and then senior attorney um, for seven years, and then I moved on to the uh, position of assistant general counsel for three years.
0: Yeah, so that sounds like um, fun, (laughs) really good career. So, um, and now tell us what type of law you're doing.
1: Okay. Um, so the beginning of my career and the reason I went to law school was to become a school lawyer. And I feel like I have done several, uh, sessions of that, um, with the legislative session. And after I moved to the general counsel's office and left at the beginning of 2018, I decided to hang my own shingle and do business law. Um, I was approached with an opportunity to work with a financial planner and start doing wills, just very simple wills for them, and um, you know, as a referral source and get clients from them, and that's kind of how I entered the world of estate planning.
0: Yeah, so it kind of happened to you.
1: Yes, I, it was never <laughs> it was never my area of choice especially in law school. I mean, it was not my favorite class by any stretch of the imagination, even though I had professor Johansson, who everyone said was the guy to have, but, um, yeah, it just, the opportunity presented itself and I said, yes. And so that's how I changed my whole career.
0: So tell me how it's been. You're fairly new to it. Uh Um, but you seem to be doing well. So talk to me a little bit just about what the day to day is like.
1: It's been good. Um, the first will I did was the hardest thing to turn in because I wanted to make sure I was not messing up somebody's estate by doing anything incorrectly. And I, I have to credit the lawyers in the state that I reached out to. I would cold call people because I didn't have a network or any sort of framework to, um, you know, even justify my being in the area. And I was helped along by so many lawyers that are now my friends that were complete strangers that I was checking out on Yelp or just by (laughs) referral. Um, It's been good. I get a lot of business because I make relationships with financial planners in town and tell them what I do. And that has been a really great source for generating business for me. Um, Just putting my name in the hat and being one of the ones considered. Um, And so I don't know what an average day looks like for me because I don't really have an average day. I really like working for myself. I kind of see it as being like project based. So it gives me a lot of flexibility, but I know that I have these certain numbers I like to hit every month. And so if I have a good month, then I may not put in that much effort. But if you know things seem like they're a little tight, then I'm meeting with people and I'm following up on leads and doing things like that. But.
0: Yes, I want to break down what you said a little bit because Mm -hmm. I got different things from that. So first, um, you went into an area of law that you had not previously practiced, but you felt um, that you could do, but you sought out mentors. So just talk to us a little bit more about how you go about building a network of lawyers who can kind of circle you and help you along.
1: Right. So the first thing for me was battling the imposter syndrome that you hear a lot of, especially women, uh, face when just in the workforce. And it almost was a a feeling of what right do I have to switch around my career after 12 years and do something completely different just because the opportunity was presented to me. But um, the person who actually got me the, the gig, I should say, working with the financial planner said that the lawyer that they had referred a client to was putting the wrong names on the will. They were not checking to make sure that the names were correct on the will that was being drafted and at the point that they were at the signing. So the client was there seeing the wrong name. And all I thought was, well, I can do better than that. And that was (laughs) enough to propel me into this new area. And so first thing I did is I, there are a lot of great resources from the state bar. So I took a bunch of CLEs on estate planning and um, drafting, um, talked to friends, looked at my own will to see what the language was in there. um, And then I put all my pride aside and just started calling people. I called the guy who did the CLE and I asked him a bunch of questions about how to set up my engagement letter, how to um, navigate some issues having to do with when you're working with a financial planner. I would call ethics and make sure the way I was working was correct. And then, like I said, I would go on Yelp and look up financial, I mean, uh, estate planning attorneys in town. And call them and say, "Hey, I'm new in the area. Can we go to lunch? And several of them said yes, and that's it was just put my pride aside and just say you don't know and they're looking for help and people help me.
0: So. Yeah, and that's amazing. It seems like you did a lot of things to like check yourself and to circle yourself right. um, to ensure that you were doing the best work for your clients, um, at least better than getting the, the names, names wrong. right. So um, another thing that you did that I got from what you said earlier, was, you know, you built relationships with people who aren't lawyers, so financial planners. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other areas or some ways that you've thought about like building your business in that way
1: as far as relationship yeah. building? Well, I, well, for example, I'm doing this podcast and, and I join certain sections of the bar that I'd never been a part of, like the small and so- solo attorneys. I try and go to um networking events where I meet with other people who are similarly situated, whether it's as a solo estate planner or just somebody who is a solo and navigating the business aspect of running um, a law firm um, aside from just the practice of the law and I that's my main thing is' really I'm not ho- I'm a homebody at heart I would prefer not to have to interact with a lot of people I prefer not even leaving my home area. But um, I have started making myself attend regular functions so I can get to know people who are doing similar things. Um, And then I also started uh, a little network of um, women, black solo attorneys here in Austin, a little Facebook group. And we've met a couple of times, or we we have... um, uh, more contact over Facebook than anything. We've met once in person, but um, just to sort of know ourselves and kind of have moral support in that way and say, hey, does anybody do family law? Can somebody help me with appearing in this court or whatever it is? And really just extending that hand that I wish was there for me because I don't have a family full of lawyers. I don't have a dad with a firm or um, an uncle who has a hookup. It was just I'm the first person in my family that's a lawyer.
0: Yeah, are there unique challenges um for you as an African American woman as a solo and if so, how do you navigate them?
1: Um I don't I don't really um have the opportunity to know what, mm-hmm. <laughs> what it could be like in any other way. All I know is that I have a lot of friends in the law that are practicing um you know, in firms or in other setups where there's a lot of support around them. So if it's a solo person, a lot of the people that I know that are solos are solos because um, there's a blueprint. Maybe somebody's done it before they have. And and this is a very limited pool because I would say that most of my friends are are not solos. But it seems like One thing that I find difficult is not having any kind of blueprint or mentorship. Um, I've even reached out to people who I have offered to pay them to mentor me. Um, And they've really, the, the response that I've gotten is a lot of pushback on that. And they're like, no, I would rather you just ask me the questions that you have Because as part of the bar, we're supposed to be able to talk to each other and help each other out. But even then, you know, I I found that it's hard to have somebody take you under their wing. And I think that that's the one thing I keep thinking, where's my my fairy god lawyer, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) person to come help me? And I, I don't know if that's unique to being an African American woman or, or unique to being African American or unique to being a woman. I think that there's some people who just kind of are floating out there and feel like they're on an Island and, and just looking for a handout or um, just, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the handout is the right word, but they're just looking for some guidance and in, in helping to row in the right direction, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had my own firm for a little bit and I found that, you know, not having any lawyers in my family and being the first was a difficult challenge that I thought was somewhat unique, yes. and also the ability to approach anyone. You know, I've yeah. like getting outside of your comfort zone and going to talk to people who might not have the same background as you um, to build those relationships. And I started to do that, and I found that there was a lot of support out there. Right. Um, but I had to kind of get over the imposter syndrome. Yes. And and feeling uncomfortable to be able to do that right. and I think that that is something um, that maybe to some degree all people face but as as a person you know who was young who's an african-american attorney first generation attorney um, I, I kind of had a, a weight that I felt like might be a little bit different right um, so talk to us about the business of law, so mm-hmm. you're practicing, and you have your practice of wills and estates, but you also have to think forward about what you want to build and how you get there, and how you manage expenses and all of right. that. So, um, and I know you're really good at that. So, <laughs> so I? Inform, inform the people <laughs> what about, I did about how you did it.
1: So, my journey started off as one of terror. That was my driver. It was just being absolutely terrified. And then um, I remember having a talk with my husband. And he's like, well, worst case scenario, you'll just go get a job working for someone. I was like, oh, so I won't end up under a bridge destitute and begging. I mean, because that's where my mind goes. It's it's like, oh, no, we are going to be homeless and suffering as if we had no family. I mean, that would really never happen. And once I got a hold of that... Um, I decided to look for resources, um, related to the building of the practice. At first I thought I wanted to do a virtual law firm, but with estate planning, you, you soon find out you really need to have a place where you meet with your people and they can meet you, especially cause my clients tend to be older and they're not trying to do a zoom call necessarily, or FaceTime me. They want to get a sense of me and make sure I don't mess up their, um, their lives. And so, one thing I did is I, I signed up for. Uh, and she's pretty popular. Her name is Heather Hubbard. I signed up for one of her practice management seminars, and so I was in her four-month mastermind where we set up systems for our our firm. So I had a case management system. I used Practice Panther. Um, I made sure I had my malpractice insurance. I made sure that um, you know I had my engagement letter and certain things set up. So that it made it easier to to go.
0: Yeah, that's all like really, really good. Um, I think like, you know, you think I want to go hang my shingle, but you don't think about mm-hmm. um, oftentimes like what's an engagement letter going to look like? What are some things I can put in it to ensure that they are notified right. and they have all the proper um, notices in it and things like that? And so to work with someone who can help you along with that is great. Um, so tell me about, uh, you know, getting your office space and how you manage your cost.
1: Oh, okay. So I, for the longest time, um, was working virtually. I would meet people. Sometimes I would meet them at the financial planner's office, um, and do signings there. They had a notary and they could provide witnesses. So that was very helpful. But I started to realize, you know, I'm, I don't want to work on their schedule. I really need my own spot. And very, very fortunately, I ended up finding on Craigslist of all places uh, a building that was being converted from um, uh, being owned by or leased by one company into an executive office situation. And I got in there and it was very low cost and it's a very nice place. And I probably go in two or three times a week for a few hours, especially if I have a signing or need to just get some heads down work done. And, um, and that was, that was immeasurably better than working on somebody else's schedule. I don't remember the second part of your question.
0: And then, um, just about managing your cost, you know, do you have an assistant? Did you go, you know, sign up for just like a bunch of expensive office furniture, like to look a certain part, like, like, yeah. how are you managing
1: your costs? Well, if you ever come and visit me, I'm very non-traditional. I do have my degrees on the wall. But other than that, it's a pretty, like, jazzy, I would say, fun <laughs> office-looking cool. place. Um, you can see it on my website. Um on um, the front page, I think I have a picture of me at my desk. It's a blue desk. So if that's anything, it's definitely <laughs> not a big, bulky, oak desk with law books behind me. Um, and to manage my costs, I use virtual assistants. The notary I use, I use her on a per hour basis. And... Um, so she comes in whenever we have signings. I try and batch my signings. So it's not just an hour here and there. I'll try and do like a three or four hour day and get everybody in signed and witnessed and that sort of thing. Um, so I try and outsource um, as much help as possible. And um, the fortunate thing about the executive offices where I, I'm currently um, housed, there is an assistant, I'm sorry, a, a receptionist, and I. I signed up for a phone service so she answers phones for me from eight to five every day regardless oh, awesome. of where I'm there so there's always a human to pick up the phone which I found has been very good for business
0: yeah that's great like mm-hmm. what a good arrangement there right Seriously. like so um you know you kind of talked about your schedule a little bit going two to three times a day I mean three two to three times a week rather um But I also know your mom and you have three small kids and, you know, we we want to just, you know, talk about the practical part of this. And so what has that been like, you know, managing three small children and also having your own practice um, and building it, you know. So talk to me a little bit about your experience.
1: Right. So that has been interesting. Um, At first, my kids were in daycare. And then I pulled them and decided to go the nanny route. And so what I do is I have a nanny come, depending on the week, about three times a week um, for half a day. And my husband also works from home, so it works really well, even if there's like overlap. But that way, even if I am not working, I'm getting a break (laughs) because they're now in the house all the time. My kids are five, three, and one, so it's a lot in my house um and I've just found that that allows me to have somebody take care of them and go to the thinkery or the the library or the museum or a nature walk or whatever they call it um, and I can go to my office and get my work done or meet with a client or get um, whatever it is that I need done done and for that reason because they're only watched about 12 hours a week I try not to work any more than about 20 hours a week I work Part time. My malpractice insurance is for part-time work. So I don't say that I'm a full-time lawyer. And I don't know that I aspire to be in this stage in my life because I'm finding that even the part-time has been rewarding because I'm not only able to get out and work and feel like I'm building something, but um, I can also spend a lot of quality time with my kids, especially before my oldest goes to kindergarten this fall.
0: Yeah, I think like a lot of solos, part of the benefit is just the flexibility, yes. it's the freedom Of building a day that works for you and your family and building a practice that works right so some people go do it full-time some people do it part-time but there's great benefit I think in being able to have um flexibility in in and it might not be forever right but for the season that you're in it works for you so I think that that's awesome definitely yeah so um tell me Uh, I know right now in the interim, it's, you know, you're building a part-time practice. Um, Talk to me about what's worked on the building side. I know you're really great at social media. yeah. Uh, (laughs) So talk to me about how you use social media to get your message out. And also like how you have built beyond kind of the partnerships that you talked about.
1: Well, I started off thinking that I was just going to be the social media lawyer um, (laughs) because there's so few of us utilizing social media well. And so I had spent so much time. At the beginning, you have so much time because <laughs> you may not have the clients there to keep you busy. So I just busied myself with my Instagram. And um, that was my main focus was Instagram. And then I would just copy whatever I did on Instagram on Facebook. Um, and recently, I've done a little bit of a switch where I've definitely slowed down on my posting on Instagram. And I've kind of moved on to LinkedIn more um and last year when i started i did a couple of module videos for um entrepreneurial women's groups where i talked to them about some legal considerations with starting a business and then some hiring hr um and firing employment law considerations and what i started to do was chop up those videos and put them on instagram versus i mean on linkedin versus instagram and i'm finding that i have a lot more engagement on LinkedIn right now because their video capacity is, um, growing. And I think I'm going to start doing more video on LinkedIn and, um, really trying to figure out how to use that because I think my clientele lies in LinkedIn more than they do with Instagram.
0: Yeah. So like you have to figure out where the people are right, Right. and go to the people. And then I know like you've hosted some free webinars. Um, talk to us about that process.
1: Webinars are great because it's a really, first of all, it's a great lead generation, um, business generation. I've always gotten a client off of, um, at least one client off of my webinars. And essentially, instead of me having to go find a place to put on a presentation, I could just do it over the internet. And one of the things I learned in my mastermind was really how to set it up and how to follow through after setting up your, after actually presenting your webinar. Um, and just the emails and um, what you say, the text, how to post, how to advertise, how often to do so. And then really looking at what works, what times work for people, surveying. It's a lot of work. I haven't done any webinars this year just because business has picked up and I don't feel like, um, like I, I have the need to do it right now. But that's an, another great way to reach people throughout the state.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and putting
1: yourself in front of a camera honestly as a solo and putting your pride aside and just getting in front of a camera and letting people get a sense of who you are is, in it's just so great for business.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I also think is I think you have a great website, mm-hmm. and um, I find sometimes that like I'm looking for a solo attorney and they don't have a website, mm-hmm. and I th- and also on your website you just list your prices right on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, now, wills I think lends itself to that, right. but. Um, talk to us just a little bit about developing your website, developing your marketing plan and um, you know the success that you've had with that.
1: So again, at the beginning, I had a ton of time and I'm a very creative person by nature. And I thought, well, I can do a website. So I, bought, I went on Wix because that seemed to be the most user-friendly for my skill set and just tinkered around. I, I looked at a lot of websites and saw what I liked and what I didn't like and um, wanted to know what... As a consumer, as a mother, as a working woman, what I would want to see on a website. And I just designed it as if it were for me. And so, um, because a lot of my ideal clients, I fall into that demographic as well, because it's easier to think about what you would be into and market towards that. I know me and my peoples, you know? Um, so, um, I just, Decided that I would like to do flat fees to the to as much as I could, just because people like to know what it's going to cost for the legal. It's the number one question I get: how much does it cost? And a lot of putting it on my website, at least as a starting point, allows people who have no idea what legal costs are to go forward or not, you know, proceed. So we don't have to waste each other's time. I think that it's a great stopgap measure.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I went to the site and I said, this is so cool. You know, you very rarely see someone have this transparency in their pricing. I think it's attractive. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you've, you've shared a lot of information and wisdom with us today. Um. Talk to us just a little bit about what advice you would have for a young attorney that, for whatever reason, is thinking about going out on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what would you share with them?
1: I would say that everybody at some point feels like they're faking it. Um, and just that whole imposter thing is very real. And I think it touches every gender, every, you know, level of, of, um, experience. And so don't let that ever be a reason not to go forward because no, you can have the best ideas, but without implementing them, it doesn't make any difference. They're just in your head. So at least try put your pride aside, reach out to people and tell them what you're trying to do, not only reach out to them, meet them, go to where they are, invite them to lunch, coffee. Um, If they can't meet, ask if they'll take your questions over the phone or by email. But really, I, I find that putting your pride aside and not assuming that you should know and just asking people, I've saved myself from making terrible decisions just because I asked, even to the point that I had to say no to a client that I had already said yes to, because I didn't make one consideration and it could have put my license in jeopardy if anything ever happened. But just a cold call to a lawyer and and she said, nope, you don't want to do that. That is uh, open for liability. And so um, just asking people and joining groups, of people. I'm on a, a group called Mamas on Facebook, and it's mother attorneys here in Austin. They're about 914. And if you can't find a lawyer in that group, honestly, she probably doesn't exist in town. So just putting yourself out there and asking questions, even to groups where, you know, you're like, Oh, I should know the answer to this. People are very willing to help you. And just stay in the course and keeping it very lean, so that you don't end up, um, oh, you know, you know, in the red.
0: Yeah, so I think from your story, it's clear that you can make it on your own Um, if you circle yourself with the right people and you work hard and you just go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to thank you for being with us today and for all of the wisdom that you've shared. Thank you to our listeners out there. For listening to the Young Gunners podcast from the Texas Young Lawyers Association. If you like our show and you want more, check out our website at tyla.org. You can find a link to our podcast there. And be sure to give us five stars. Like us um, wherever you're listening. Leave comments. If you have any questions or any topics you would like to hear us cover, please shoot us an email and we'll do our best to deliver. Thanks again. See you next time. (laughs) I don't know.